0: Inflation reaches a three-decade high at 6.2%, yet the governor continues to push the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, otherwise known as RGGI, uh here in Pennsylvania. Joining me today on Conversations with Clint, we're gonna talk with State Representative Josh Kale about this Reggie program, what it means for you, what it means for your pocketbook, and what it means for the future of Pennsylvania. Also have State Representative Tim O'Neill, who was here for our hearing. Uh, That we had about creeks and streams to share his thoughts and a few of my favorite christmas memories all that and so much more on today's conversations with clint like i said we are joined today by state representative josh kale a great public servant from the 15th legislative district in beaver and washington county thanks for joining the podcast today excited to be here
1: clint thanks for having me
0: So the conversation today is all around Reggie, which is the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. Um, Walk us through, first off, you've been a a really... Key leader in, in fighting this, and this has been a big deal for our area because we know what this is going to mean for all of our constituents. And um, so you've been out leading the way on this, and I really want to say thank you for that. But but for those that are listening that may not quite understand exactly what the regional greenhouse gas initiative is, walk us through what that what that is, and and then we'll go into how it'll impact people's lives.
1: Yeah, so uh, Reggie or the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, it's commonly referred to as REGI, uh, is essentially a carbon tax. So what that means is it's a, a tax on electricity use. So any, um, any electricity that you're using, turning on the lights, a consumers using in their home, um, or a manufacturer is using at, at the workplace. Um, it IS GOING TO BE MORE EXPENSIVE, uh, QUITE SIMPLY PUT, uh, PENNSYLVANIA HAS a TREMENDOUS NATURAL RESOURCES AS IT RELATES TO uh, PRODUCTION OF ELECTRICITY, BUT WE'RE NOT GOING TO BE ABLE TO USE THOSE RESOURCES IF WE GO INTO THE REGIONAL GREENHOUSE GAS INITIATIVE, BECAUSE IT'S GOING TO MAKE Uh, coal, and and even in some instances natural gas, too expensive
0: or more expensive for the consumer. So all of a sudden we we eliminate some of these options, the price then is going to go up, right?
1: Yeah, the goal of it, uh, of this regional greenhouse gas initiative IS TO uh, REDUCE EMISSIONS, AND and SO ESSENTIALLY uh, THE the TAKEAWAY WOULD BE, WELL, WE CAN PAY uh, MORE IN ELECTRICITY BECAUSE WHAT WE'RE DOING IS uh, BENEFICIAL TO THE ENVIRONMENT. What's really remarkable about what's happening now, one, right now it's just an awful time to be raising prices on electricity. Uh, The Consumers are getting hit with inflation across the board, and this is just going to be more of it. Uh, It's going to raise the prices of of their electric bills even more. But what's really remarkable about this and why so many people are against it, including uh, people on the other side of the aisle, it's pretty much bipolar partisan against uh, this initiative is because it's actually not going to reduce any emissions. What's happening is there's companies right now, and my district is on the border of West Virginia and Ohio, that are in West Virginia and Ohio that are planning on breaking ground on a coal-fired plants that is going to be fueling our electricity. Right now, Pennsylvania is a net exporter on electricity uh, because we have such an abundance of natural resources. That will end. That will end, and it will mean that states like West Virginia and Ohio will be burning uh, the coal that we once were doing and we had the jobs here for, um, and we'll be using that electricity. So the net uh, positive emissions reduction that they're alleging is actually a fallacy when you look at it uh, under the totality of what's going to end up happening. So. It's not good for our environment. It's terrible for our consumers. And it's also devastating for those that are working in the energy space, at power plants, um, in the natural gas industry. It's just a uh, a bad look across the board in Pennsylvania.
0: And a lot of states have entered into this. Um, either with a legislative action, typically, most all of them, I think, aren't we the only state that's actually moving through this process with strictly a governor saying, I'm going to do this and sidelining the House and Senate through this process? I think that's one thing that's pretty amazing in this process
1: looking at it from a macro view, what we're going through uh, with the governor and what he's doing, it is the most devastating part of this whole process. Um, when a governor acts and and forces an entire state to do something that is not within his purviews under law, that governor is acting by coercion. We've seen it with the mandates. Uh, we've seen it with all kinds of things the last couple of years right but our system is supposed to be uh, one where we're governed by the consent of the people the legislative body is that consent and when you circumvent the legislative body you are taking that form of government essentially away from the people that elect us to make decisions like this every other state has gone in the reggie has had legislative consent every single one of them has uh, had that Uh, In Pennsylvania, the governor has repeatedly sought legislative uh, consent and the legislator has repeatedly told the governor that we don't think it's a good idea and have not taken it up. And so instead of the governor working on different initiatives, um, he said basically, well, I'm going to treat you like an advisory board and just not do what you say and and do whatever I want to do and uh essentially go about his business that way it's it it is not a political uh struggle here that that we're having it's actually a structural um what kind of government struggle that that we're having is what's the function of the executive branch what's the function of the legislative branch If you don't get your way on something do you just do it anyway um and is that how we're going to operate in this commonwealth i say no i I like our system i think our founders understood uh why it's so important to get the consent of the governed and i think in a lot of ways whether it's mandates uh with uh the 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 pandemic or whether it's uh reggie the regional greenhouse house initiative um, or anything, we have to bring back getting the consent of those that are being governed. Essentially, what I mean is, we have to bring back the legislator being the body
0: that makes laws. That's exactly right, and this is very frustrating for those of us who, in the districts like ours, that are we have people reaching out to us and saying, "Please don't do this. Please stop this," and really, it's really pretty much impossible. I mean, we're going to be passing a resolution this week, hopefully, um, that that says, no, we don't agree with this. Please don't do it. But that's all it really is. It doesn't have any real teeth to it, does it?
1: Well, the the resolution, um, the only way it gets teeth is if we ultimately get 136 people to agree because there is a legislative function where basically um, express our dissent as it relates to um, a regulation. That's what we're doing with this. And if we get a veto-proof majority, essentially if the governor vetoes the resolution, which is what's expected, and we run another vote and get a hundred, and I believe it's 35 we need now um, in the in the House of Representatives, then we could actually stop the res- the the initiative. I don't believe that we're going to get those types of numbers. It will be bipartisan. It will be significantly bipartisan, but I don't know that we'll get those types of numbers.
0: Well, let's talk about the real life impact in closing here on this very important issue. Um, The the inflation is going through the roof. you know, looking at uh, our percentage right now, I think we're at six just in October at 6.2 percent, the highest rate of inflation that we've seen in three decades. Those are real numbers and those are real effects of people's budgets as they're sitting around the kitchen table trying to figure out what they're going to spend money on this Christmas and moving through next year. You talk about initiative like this and moving it forward. Listen, folks. Your electric bill, no doubt, will go up, and it will go up significantly if, <clears throat> excuse me, if we enter into this initiative. And we are trying to stop that from happening. This, is, like you said, uh, Josh, this is not the time to be doing this. Folks are feeling the pinch all across the board, with pretty much everything going up in price. Um, I mean, just the cost of food is 3.7%. You know, that's a big, big deal. Fuel fuel alone, I mean, they released some some of the national reserves for, from the stockpile, which is supposed to be there for bad times, you know, like catastrophic, catastrophic events. But they just released it, you know, 50 million barrels, I believe it was. So everybody knows that things aren't going well, right? But here we are about to embark on this... Um, real struggle that's going to cr- be created in, in people's homes and in their pocketbooks. I don't know about you, but that has me concerned.
1: It, it has me very concerned, uh, Clint. And rural America, uh, rural Pennsylvania, where I represent a lot of, some, I have some small towns and mainly uh, rural areas, it's just that we can't afford it. Um, and what's also devastating, in particular for Western Pennsylvania, is the job opportunity in manufacturing. Uh, there was a Department of Energy uh, report that came out a couple of years ago that noted that there's the potential of upwards of 200,000 full-time manufacturing jobs in Western Pennsylvania, Eastern Ohio, and the panhandle of West Virginia uh, because of our abundance of natural gas. And because, precisely because our energy costs are low. This is going to increase our energy costs. It's going to make Ohio and West Virginia more attractive, and the Commonwealth is going to lose out. It's just another way that this is a bad idea. It's bad for consumers, it's bad for growth, uh, job growth, um, and it's just bad policy across the board.
0: And like you said, if there was going to be a change, that would be a totally different conversation. But it's just not. It's just going to hurt, and it's going to hurt on multiple levels. So, um, Josh, I just want to thank you for jumping in today on the podcast and talking a little bit about it. Thank you for your leadership um, on this issue. Any closing thoughts when it comes to Reggie?
1: We just got to keep the pressure up and see if we could uh, effectuate some level of change. And I I will say that uh, the best bet – to make this go is to understand who your governor candidates are and understand what their positions are on this, because the next governor is really more or less going to be the one that either implements or or gets rid of it if if we can't get the votes uh, in the legislature
0: I think that's a great point, folks, because the reality is. Um, as fast as this has been, the way that this is being implemented, it can be taken away or grown upon by whoever our next governor is, which 11 months from now, we will, we will have a different governor here in Pennsylvania, won't we?
1: Yes, we will. And Clint, thank you for your leadership. Uh, you're, you're really one of those reps in, in Harrisburg that, uh, is, is doing a lot of great things and you're very much appreciated as well.
0: Well, thanks, Josh, and uh, tell the family we said hello, and I hope you have a great Christmas.
1: You too, buddy. Talk to you soon.
0: And joining me as well today on the Conversations with Clint, we have State Representative Tim O'Neill, 48th Legislative District, Washington County. Uh, Tim is actually in the car right now, so if you hear some background noise that's uh, a little bit uh, distracting, you're going to have to suck it up. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is, right, Tim?
2: That's That's right. Right, I appreciate the opportunity
0: to be on. We we take as many opportunities as we can get, and I appreciate you taking a minute here. Hey, you uh, you made the long trip up to the hearing this week that we had on creeks and streams, and um, you rode around on the bus with us and looked at kind of the issue. and And I really appreciate your engagement on that. What were some of your thoughts and takeaways from the hearing that we had uh, on Monday?
2: Well, you know, cer- certainly it was, a, it, was a, it was a wonderful hearing. Uh, the community involvement, community engagement, was was extraordinary. That's that's not typical for uh, for these policy hearings. So it just goes to show how big of an issue this is for your community. Um, it, but, but quite honestly, the one of the main reasons why I made the trip is this is this is an area, this is an issue rather that that is affecting my area as well and, and many areas across the Commonwealth. Um, Certainly a, a, a topic, uh, the, this, the topic of flooding and, and stream maintenance uh, is, is something that we need to tackle as a commonwealth uh, and we need to do it as, as soon as possible to, to start providing some relief for our community.
0: Well, we've been working on some some ideas moving forward with this, and it's going to be incredibly important because you're exactly right. It is not just a regional issue or a county issue; it is actually happening all happening all across the state, and that's why we had a statewide policy hearing right here in the district. Um, so we're we're working on some of those things, and um, I guess we're gonna we're actually gonna meet next week in Harrisburg and start talking about some of those ideas. Have you have you been thinking about them, or are you are you Able to talk about any of your thoughts or specifics, or uh, are you holding those kind of close to the chest for now?
2: Well, you know, you know, I, I certainly don't have any full-blown policy uh, proposals just yet. Um, but some of my key takeaways from the hearings is is that that there are solutions out there that are currently being being implemented in, in places. Uh, well, quite, quite, literally, not in Pennsylvania. Um, you, you know, I, I think Stu Ben County and uh, you know, right across the border from you is what was a great example that was highlighted during the hearing of uh, of a, a coordinated effort in, amongst their communities where they are addressing this in in a major way uh, that is going to, uh, to to help correct the problem long term. Um, there isn't any reason why we, we shouldn't be considering those, those proposals right here in Pennsylvania. Um, and, and certainly in, in your neck of the woods in, in Tioga County, right across the border, uh, there, there isn't any reason why we can't replicate what, uh, what, what the state of New York is doing uh, in, in, right across the border from your community.
0: Yeah, that was one of the things that came out. It was frustrating. A lot of people mentioned that was, wait a minute, New York State's doing something that's like better than us and like actually like doing it. I I don't know about you, but I was like, what? And And I've seen it. I mean, we've, we've been up there. So we know it's happening. But you're right. It's frustrating.
2: Yeah, and, and uh, you know, in your neck of the woods, it's, you get frustrated when New York does something a little bit better. You know, down, down in my area, it's West Virginia. So, uh, so, so either way, I know the feeling uh, in, in the, these states. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I, uh, I hold Pennsylvania in high regard, and, and, and I get a little offended when I hear our, our neighboring state. Uh, isn't doing something as, or is, rather is, is doing something better than we are. Um, so we, we got to correct that scenario. There isn't any reason why we can't correct it. Uh, the, the solutions are there. We, we just have, the will, have to have the will to implement them. And, and I personally, I think, uh, I don't know, I think you'd agree with me, but um, that, that's where we need to focus policy to ensure that, that we're driving forward on these solutions.
0: That's right. Well, thanks so much for jumping in quick. I know you're a busy guy. You're out there running around even as we speak, but uh, I appreciate it. And uh, thanks again for joining us. Well, that is all the time that we have for today. I hope you had a great week. Um, It is Christmas time. Yes, Christmas. We don't say happy holidays around here. We say Christmas. Um, It is a wonderful time of year. I hope you are enjoying it with your family and your friends and all those Christmas memories that are going to happen this year. And as you sit and reminisce about Christmas in the past, one of the things that um, I was at a meeting, a Center for Dairy Excellence board meeting this week, and they went around the table and everybody shared uh, one of their favorite Christmas memories. For me, um, I remember um, Christmases, uh, we would always go on Christmas Eve to Grandpa and Grandma Butler's house and Christmas Day, Christmas night to Grandpa and Grandma Owl's. And I, those were such great times with our family. And specifically what I remember is how much fun it was when there was enough snow to sled ride. I love both of them had amazing sled riding hills. So for me, I I still love to sled ride. And we actually uh, have my great, my grandfather Butler's, um, toboggan. It's like an eight foot toboggan. So getting everybody, getting all the kids on that and heading down over a hill is just so much fun. So, um, that was my favorite Christmas memory that I shared, but, uh, please be making those with your families and your friends, uh, this Christmas season. Um, it's a great, wonderful time of the year where we can celebrate, uh, Christ our Lord and his birth here, uh, here for us. And it's exciting time of year to celebrate that. So I hope you have a great rest of the week weekend here, and I hope you enjoyed this conversations with Clint.